Hey, guys. How you doing? Fantastic. Man, it's, so, it's such an honor just seeing Shelby get baptized. If you're a VIP, if you're one of our volunteers who serve here at One Church, I just want to say thank you. We're glad you're here. In fact, would you give it up for our VIPs, our wonderful, fantastic volunteers? You guys are so awesome. It's because of you that all of this happens, all right? Uh, also, another thing I just want us to be able to welcome, if you're our first-time guest, if you're a first-time guest here, let's give it up for them because we want to let you know we do everything here for you, and um, we're so glad you're here. We're going to be talking about vampires. Now, here's the thing about vampires. Vampires are all the rage, right? I mean, I, I grew up and like, I remember like the Bella Lugosi vampire. Anybody remember like the vampires today, they kind of have like sparkles and sprinkles and glitter on them. I don't understand that, all right? So um, they kind of twinkle, right? But I remember, I mean, vampires are all the rage. I mean, you think about it, you got the vampire diaries. How many of y'all, you've watched a movie or you've seen a television show about vampires in the past year? Raise your hands. Well, that's like everybody. If I ask the same question, don't answer, how many of you read the Bible the past year? We would have less hands than that. I'm just saying, all right? But anyway, vampires are all the rage. Now, here's the thing about, here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say this. Someone sucks the life out of me. Go ahead, do that. Now, I ain't good. Now, I want you to say this, and it could be you. Go ahead. But it's not. You're a wise man. All right, I was going to say, it, guys, you need to learn from my friend Jonathan up here. Because he looked at, it ain't you, baby. It ain't you. Some of you, you're like, but it is you, right? I know it is, all right? Here's what we, I want everybody to put your hand up in the air. Put your hand up in the air, all right? I want you to flip it around and get your, get your finger out, your pointer finger. I know y'all, all right? Your pointer, and I want you to bend it down towards you and say... I am pointing at a vampire. Because here's the gig, guys. We're going to have a lot of fun in this series, and during this series, you're going, to lie, you're going to think, I am so glad she is here to hear this. I am so glad he is here to hear this. I'm so glad my spouse is beside me, and if he's not beside me or she's not, I'm going to tell her, you need to tune in on Ustream. You've got to watch this because he's talking about you. But here's the thing. Before we start like pointing fingers at everybody else, you and I have to realize that all of us suck the life out of other people. Because the Bible says that we're all messed up. We're all sinners. All of us suck the life out of so many other people. Here's the thing. I remember growing up, and I feel like I'm kind of an easy kind of going guy, and um, I always thought everybody, everybody has to like me. Right? I mean, I'm normal. Right? And, and, and hear me. Let me just tell you. Some of you, you're the same way. You're like, everybody likes, they have to like me. I'm normal. Right? Here, I'm going to bust our bubbles. You ain't normal. And I'm not either. Somebody needs to say amen on that one. All right? All of us think we're normal. And all of us think, man, everybody should like me. But here is just the facts. Not everyone likes Chris. Not everyone, I grate on some people's nerves. I don't know how it is, but I, I do, 
right? People who are maybe a little more introverted or something, they can't stand me, right? I go to a restaurant, I'm singing, I'm bebopping, I'm scatting, I may get up on the table and dance. It's awkward for everybody else except me, right? And I'm thinking, I just, I am, I am a party waiting for people to happen. But not everybody likes that. Let me just, not everybody likes you, that you drain the life out of some people, just like I drain the life out of some people. So before we kind of like look at like, uh, you know, my spouse is a vampire, and the next week after that, we're going to be talking about raising little vampires, because I've met some of your children. Um, (laughs) Then after that, we're going to be talking, I help, I have a friend who's a vampire. Before we get to all of that, you and I need to understand, and this is our first point if you're taking notes. Loving people who suck the life out of you starts with realizing how much you suck the life too. All of us suck the life out of other people. We're all needy people. We're, we're going to look at some practical things about how to do this stuff, but you just need to realize that you get on somebody's last nerve, and so do I. Again, some of you, you're in this audience, you're like hoping, I hope he hears this. But there's somebody else over there that's hoping you, you will hear this. Because all of us, we struggle. All of us, the Bible says that we are all sinners. But there's something about it's easier to look at somebody else's faults than to look at our own. You ever notice that? It so is. I mean, it's like this. So many of us, we pick up these and we put them up in front of our, everybody know what this is? Is my eye getting bigger? All right, this is a what? Magnifying glass. You see, so many times, unhealthy people, vampires, we look at other people's faults under a microscope, under a magnifying glass. And really, what, what we need to do is we need to pick up one of these. You know what this is? Uh, let's see, I'm blinding some of you right now. This is so much. Y'all just stay right there. I'm having so much fun. I'm just, you see, here's the thing about vampires. There's a lot of things vampires don't do. Vampires don't do garlic. Vampires don't do wooden stakes. Vampires don't do holy water. Vampires, um, real vampires don't do glitter. All right? Um, I would go even so far to say that real vampires probably don't watch Twilight, but you know, I'm a hater. I understand that. I've never watched any of the, how many of y'all, you've watched Twilight? Uh, Everybody, see, everybody in here, you're like, don't go there, Chris. I will go to another church. I know how it is. I know how it is. All right, so I'm just gonna stop right there. I've never seen it. And anyway, I got really important people in my life who try to let me borrow movies, right? I haven't done it yet, but I probably will. Um, But here's the thing. Vampires don't do mirrors. Vampires don't do self-reflection. Unhealthy people don't have the maturity it takes to look at themselves in the mirror because self-reflection is difficult. Self-reflection takes a degree of maturity to be honest about your shortcomings, Vampires don't have the guts for self-reflection. So, and, and Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Jesus said, and, don't wor- and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a what? Log in your own. I mean, it's like this. Imagine this. You, you've got a, a speck of sawdust, right? And somebody is trying to help you get it out, and they got a two-before. They got a redwood forest in their eye. Right, I'm going to keep on reading. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your own eye? When you can't see, pass the log in your own eye. And then what does Jesus call him? Hypocrite. 
First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What Jesus is saying is this. When you are all focused on what is wrong with me, to the neglect of what is wrong with you, then you're a hypocrite. And what I have come to understand is this. People who are hypocritical are usually hypocritical. Somebody who is usually hypercritical and they're always throwing, they're always, you know, they look, they kind of look like that. Some, how many of you got mothers-in-law look like that? Right? Oh, somebody's, oh, they may be here. Somebody's pointing around. I, I see you, ma'am. All right? I mean, Think about this. People who are hypocritical are many times hypocritical. And here's the reason why I think that is. is because they hide the hypocrisy in themselves by being critical of other people. They would rather point out somebody else's faults rather than look at their own. And they're too busy doing this and not enough time doing this. And see, real mature people put down magnifying glasses and they pick up mirrors. Would you realize that you and I are not a vampire hunter designed to stake out all of the other vampires in your lives? When, when you realize that it's not your job to fix and to clean up everybody else's mess, that's going to set you free. Because the same Jesus who loved you through your dysfunction and still loves you through your dysfunction, he wants to love other people through you through your dysfunction. Now let me tell you, that's a lot of dysfunctions. But you and I both, we need to realize none of us in here is perfect. I, I have been on staff at churches where the pastor always portrayed his self or their family as perfect. And the problem with that is, number one, they're lying. Number two, they are, they are so far removed from reality. And if you can't even see that they're not perfect, that just means nobody has relationships with those people. Because everybody has issues. Everybody thinks they're normal until you get to know them. It really is. Everybody. You think, I'm a normal person, and then other people get to know you, and you're like, no, no, not at all. Everybody has a cousin Eddie in their life. Everybody has an Uncle Si in their life. By the way, I got to hang out with Uncle Si this past week. No lie. Really, really cool. So it was me and 15 other thousand people in an arena with Silas Robertson, and it rocked. All right, anyway, had nothing to do with the sermon. Let me show you, though, let me show you our second point is this. Before you can really reach out to somebody else, you've got to define your own property lines. This point right here really is the basis of our entire month of sermon on how to become a vampire. Let's read it together, please. Before you can really reach out to anybody else, you've got to your own let me read to you what Proverbs chapter 23, verse 10 says. Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers. You see, if you're a homeowner and you ever want to do like a project out in your yard, maybe, you know, put up a fence. Before you can just, you just don't build a fence. You have to contact the county in order to have a property survey so that you can find out where your property line ends and where another begins. Now, I know, I know some of the people here at One Church. This is your mindset. My property line ends where I stop mowing. Right? And if I stop mowing here, did my neighbor better start mowing? No, 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 no. It just don't work like that. All right? Many people who come to church just don't know, if you don't know where your property line is, it causes you endless stress and headaches. 
Because what you end up doing is you end up mowing other people's lawns. You see, some of you, you have a lot of guilt and you, and you struggle in life because you, you've taken the burden of caring for somebody else's mess and the first thing you need to do is you need to establish your own property lines. In fact, look at what Proverbs 23.10 says. Throw that up there again. It says, don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers. What that means is if you don't define your own property lines clearly, you will, someone will be cheated and hurt. Someone can steal your joy if you don't have, and here's the word for the day, boundaries. How many of y'all, you remember Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood at SNL? All right, hello, boys and girls, right? The word for today, boundaries. Can we all say that? Very good. This, is a, this entire series is based upon this book by Dr. Henry Cloud, and I'd encourage you to pick it up if you get a chance. It's called Boundaries, and the whole premise of this is that healthy people establish boundaries, but unhealthy people, they have barriers. Here's our big idea. It's a little funky, but hang out with me. Vampires live in houses with moats and walls. Healthy people live in houses with gates and fences. Didn't that just change your life? So I didn't see anybody write anything down. Let me say it a little bit different way. It makes a little more sense. All right? Unhealthy people build barriers. Healthy people establish boundaries. Now, let's talk about that. Unhealthy people build barriers. All right? Or... or Another way, vampires live in castles with moats and walls. Have you, is there, I've not seen a, a house in Clarksville that has a moat or, or like a 40-foot wall. Anybody? If that's your house, you're weird. Okay? Moats and walls are designed to keep, keep people out. And that's what a barrier is. Unhealthy people build barriers. Let me tell you, the reason why that's a problem, building barriers is because God calls us to be relational. But we are relational buildings, but barriers are walls that we build around the heart. Now, there's a couple of reasons why we build barriers. And here it is right here. Unhealthy, build bar- un- unhealthy people create barriers based upon two things, past hurts and fears. Past hurts and fears, and they always create isolation. Let's talk and unpack that a little bit. Let's talk about the past hurts. You see, the reason why some of you won't get into a community group today is because you have some past hurts. Maybe you got into a group, maybe you got close to a Christian that kind of hurt you and burned you, and you, and you say, okay, I, I'm not going to do that based upon past hurts. And the problem is that that will always create an isolation. Some of you, the reason why you won't get close and actually have a long-term relationship with someone is because somebody took advantage of you. And that past hurt is all, will always create isolation. Now, let me give you the uh, best example I know how of a difference between a barrier and a boundary. If somebody came up to you and wanted to borrow $100, all right, $100, and, uh, and you know this person, they've never done this before, you're a good friend, and they say, hey, listen, I'll pay you back next payday. Can I borrow, can I borrow Benjamin? Sure, okay. So you give them $100, and they borrow it from you, and payday run, comes around, and it's like you got the plague. They don't call, they don't write, they don't Facebook, they don't email, they don't Skype, they don't do nothing, right? They don't Voxer, they don't do nothing, right? 
Um, and, and, and you're like, what's going on? But you see them from a distance, and they, like, turn away. And you're like, what's happening? So eventually you have to, hey, hey, is everything okay? I, I need to get my 100 bucks back. And they go, nah, not going to do it. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, at that point, you have a decision to make. And if you're a person who builds a barrier, here's what you do. You don't forgive them, and you say, I will never, ever be generous to anyone else again. I'm never, ever going to lend money again. I shouldn't have done it. It's shame on me. People who, have, who build barriers based upon past hurts or fears. Now, let me tell you, I want to unpack this one a lot. And some of you, you're going to like what I say, and some of you are going to hate me at the end of this sermon. I don't care as long as I'm faithful to God's word. Let me tell you, we as Christians and religious people are master at building barriers. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. It says this, for you are all children of God. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism. So there is no longer, look at this, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, Male or female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ came to tear down barriers. Jesus Christ came to blow up some barriers. I like how Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. says this right here. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be what? Outside of, what a word. Anybody ever been an outsider before? Ever felt like an outsider? Anybody? All right. How's that feel? Not good. Feels like an outsider, right? In those days, you were living what? Apart from Christ. You were, what's the next word? Excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. But now you have been, what does it say? United with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away right? But now you have been brought near, how? To him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when they were in his own body on the cross, for he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, now, let me give you just some really cool stuff. Here's a picture of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It's a reproduction of it. This is a 1,500 feet by 1,000 feet long, and the temple is in the middle. Now, what's so cool is everybody was invited to come up, and you could come up on this temple mount. Here, there's some gates over here called the the Holda Gates. This is called the Beautiful Gate. There's multiple gates, but everybody could come up these gates, come up these stairways, and you could be, be on the temple mount. But here's the problem, though. If you weren't Jewish... And I would say probably most of us in here aren't Jewish. We could come to a certain point, and there was a fence. And on this fence, there was a fence that surrounded the entire temple. And on this fence, it said this. It says this. Let no foreigner go beyond this point. You will be responsible for your own death. You see, in that day, Jews on the Temple Mount would literally build a barrier, a wall that Gentiles would not pass. And let me tell you, if you got, let's say you were, um, you were Jewish, but you were a Jewish woman, you could go so far, but you could only go this far because they would keep people out. 
Let me tell you, religious people are masters at keeping people out. Aren't we? Let me just give you three examples. The first one. Many Christians on the issue of segregation and race has been on the wrong side for hundreds of years. We, we fought a battle 150 years ago because the majority Christians in America could not get along and they judged people by the color of their skin and not on the content of their character. There, there are whole entire denominations that sprung up because white people didn't want to worship with black people. Let me tell you what that's called. It's called sin. And that is not right. In fact, one of my friend and mentors, Dr. Tony Evans, who's an African-American preacher, says it like this. He says, the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That should not be. But many times, many Christians, we were on the wrong side of segregation and racism. Let me tell you another time, another thing that we were on the wrong side of, and that's women's rights. Why in the world did it take so long to allow women the right to vote? Answer, sin. Because we would rather keep people away and in barriers. We love building barriers. And many Christians were on the wrong side of the whole, you know, the men and women and the quality of, of women. Let me give you another one, and this is going to really tick some of you guys off, but I'm sorry. And it revolves around this graphic right here. Not that one. That one right there. Some of you are like, don't go there. I'm going to go there. Let me tell you, I think Christians are wrong in how we have approached the homosexual community. Now, I want to say this. We have picketed, we have yelled, we have screamed, we have prohibited people's rights. And I don't think it's Christian to refuse anyone of their rights. Now, again, some of you are like, oh, well, you're just being soft. No, no, I, I believe the Bible is very clear on homosexuality. I believe that the Bible says God does not want anyone to live a homosexual lifestyle. But stop right there. Some of you, I know that's where you're at right now. Let me tell you, my job isn't to change you. You know what my job is to do? To love you. You see, we're, I don't believe, Christians are called to love one another, and I don't believe we're to prohibit somebody else of their rights. And that means if you get health care, great. Praise God for you. But the end of the day, the end of the day, we as Christians are not called to picket or yell or point fingers or anything like that. We are called to love. And I believe if we loved better, a lot of people would change, and the first people would change would be, would be us. I totally believe that. So if you're here and you're like, I mean, this is where you're at, you need to know this. Here at One Church, we're going to talk about the Bible, but also we're going to talk about love. Because there are a lot of messed up people in here, and I am the chief of them all. I don't have my life together. And you don't either. And if you do, you probably need to go somewhere else. Because I'm going to really mess you up. Right? The Bible says all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen away. Every one of us. 
Let me tell you. This, let, let's go back to the big idea again, the whole vampire thing. Vampires live in houses with moats and walls. Healthy people live in houses with gates and fences. What is a gate and what is a fence? That is a boundary. Healthy people establish boundaries. Let's go back to that $100 again and let me kind of explain this. We talked about what somebody who builds a barrier and how that's unhealthy. This is, let's say this. Somebody, they, they borrow 100 bucks from you, they won't pay you back. A healthy person would do this. They would forgive them. In fact, do you know that the word forgiveness means you don't owe me anymore? Did you know that? You would forgive them, and you would still be generous with your money with other people. But a boundary, when that same person asked you for another hundred, you say, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. Well, why not? Well, because you said you were going to borrow it, and you didn't. Now, that is an example of a healthy boundary. You know, here's the tension here. So many of us, we think, okay, in order to be a Christian, Jesus loved everyone. He served everyone. He, he had like kumbaya moments with everyone, you know, and they're all holding hands and kumbaya, you know. That's what we think Jesus did. But let me tell you, Jesus established boundaries with people. There were some people he was closest to, and there's some people he was like, mm-mm, not going to do that. Right? It happens all it happened all the time in the gospels. You ought to read your Bible. It's really cool. I mean, the religious people, I mean, he would kind of keep them at arm's length. But man, the people who realized that they were authentic enough to realize that they really, they were really messed up. Jesus says, I want to be around you. He established boundaries with other people. And the tension we have as Christians, we believe, in order to love everybody, that we have to let everybody walk over us. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can say this. You can give unconditional love without giving unrestricted access. Write that down. You can give unconditional love without giving unrestricted access. If you have a vampire person in your life, what you need to do is you need to establish boundaries. We gotta establish boundaries. It's not unbiblical or unloving to restrict a relationship or to renegotiate a relationship. It's not unbiblical to have boundaries. Boundaries are biblical. Let me show you some scriptures. Psalm 1-1. Love this psalm. Says this. Oh, the joys. Everybody say joys. How many of y'all want joy? All right, cool. Now this is gonna tell you how to have it. Oh, the joys who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Or join in with mockers. That's some boundaries. What he's saying is this. you got to have some boundaries in order. If, you're gonna, if you want to experience joy, you need to hang out with some people. And there's other people you're like, I'm not going to do that. That, that. That's healthy. Why? Because the people you hang out with will determine your direction and your attitudes and your actions. toward. They will. It will just naturally happen. It will rub off. That's a boundary. Let me show you another one. Proverbs 4.23 says it like this. Guard your heart. That's a boundary. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's a boundary. There's some people you need to keep your guard up around, There's, and, and, and that doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means you've got to set boundaries. Give you another one. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and what? There you go. Now, some of you, you need to put relational boundaries with some folks because they will mess you up. 
I don't care how smart you are, how spiritual you are, how much you resolve, how much resolve you have. If you hang out with knuckleheads, their stupid will begin to rub off on you. Now, some of you parents, you're like, I'm glad my teenager's hearing this. <laughs> right? And let me tell you what your teenager's thinking right now. I wish mama and daddy would learn this. Because some of you, you can't drive your kids home because you've been out partying all night. And you're like, yeah, you're, you're trying to apply this to me, mom and dad, but look at the, the, the knuckleheads you hang out with. Really? You're going to lecture me? Man. But again, it's always easier to point out the faults in others and not in ourselves. Boundaries are biblical. Let me give you, if we had a sex offender show up at this church, should we love them unconditionally? Absolutely. Absolutely. This church is for everyone. We love them. We put our arms around them. And we learn together. Is it right for us to put them in charge of the children's ministry? No. Absolutely not. Why? Because that's a boundary. Let me tell you. Boundaries, boundaries protect things that we hold valuable. That's the reason why we do background checks on everybody who works with our, our, our students and children. Everyone. And if you have that issue, you know what? You can't work with our children, but you can work in a thousand other different places. Not around kids. Because we love you. But we also have some boundaries. But, I mean, anybody ever heard of a, a, a church vampire? I've been around those. L -l -l Listen to what Paul says in Titus 3.10. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, what are we supposed to do? Have nothing to do with him. You would think Tony Soprano wrote this. No. This is the Apostle Paul. I mean, I've, I've had people in my past, long past, that said, you know, Chris, I, I, I'm not going to follow you. Okay? And we sat down and we talked. I mean, have I done anything to break our, our trust? No. I, have I done anything that made you call into question my character or integrity? No. I just don't like following anyone. That's a problem. That's a divisive person. You see, and, and let me tell you, if you want to be a leader, you must first always become a follower. Because all of us are under authority. That's what the Bible says. Even I am under authority. You see, we have a group of men, uh, 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 elders, who hold me accountable, and I'm also accountable under God. And at any time, God and these elders can get rid of me. And because none of us are, are irreplaceable. I'm telling you, we have, we have to draw up boundaries. And if we have divisiveness, God says commands, yeah, you're to love them, but you, that doesn't mean you have to give them permission to mismanage the investment that he has put inside of you. Because you are limited resources. You know that? You're not God. You can't save them. But, and you can't mismanage your time, your emotion, your energy, because you let that other person run all over you. You need to draw a boundary. You know, you can't help people who need help. Did you know that? Some of you, you need to hear this. Everything else you can let go. You can't help people who need help. You can only help people who want help. <laughs> Some person told my wife and I about 20 years ago, there is a savior and you're not him. <laughs> That's a good one right there, right? I can't save anybody. Neither can you. You see, we gotta draw boundaries. And there's going to be some people you will want to help, but you can't help help because they don't want your help. And that's when you go, all right, 
all right? And some of you, that's what you need to do with some people in your life. It's like a gated community. Anybody ever lived in a gated community? When I was in seminary, at Dallas Seminary, 16 years ago, 15, 17, so anyway, long time ago, um, we lived in a not too great part of town, and it was an apartment with a gated community. And I remember we would go in there, and we were like taking our life in our own hands, driving down the road, but when we got in our gated community, we were like, oh, we made it, right? Here's the thing. I could give that code to anybody, right? You can. You can give the code to your gated community to anybody. Now, and that gets them in the gated community. You, that means you don't have to give them a front door key to your apartment or your house. And even if they come into your house, if you give them access to that, that, you don't have to give them access to your bedroom, right? Because those are boundaries. And some of us, the best thing we can do is to establish boundaries. There's some people you don't need to follow on Facebook. There are some people that you just, their toxicity will rub off on you and you will end up mowing their lawn. And it's not your responsibility. The last point, we're done. Point three. We are responsible to others and for ourselves. We are responsible to others and for ourselves. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter six, verse one. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. But watch yourself, that's a boundary, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's, what's that next word? Burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Now let me tell you what that word burden means in the Greek. It means excess burdens or boulders, it's something so huge you can't lift up. Anybody ever try picking up a boulder? Unless you're the Incredible Hulk, Superman, or you look like me, you ain't going to get it up, right? It's just not, all right? I mean, you can't. You, boulders are huge. And let me tell you what this verse is saying, that it's our responsibility to one another. That there are some people just get boulders that's too big for them to bear, and it's our job as a church and as a group they don't have enough strength or resources to come up under them and to help them. That's totally biblical. Denying ourselves to do for others what they cannot do for themselves, that's Jesus. But let's look at verses four and five of Galatians 6. Each one should test his own actions. Again, your property line. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else for what? Each one should carry his own load. All right, now stop. Hang out, Paul. You're saying you're to carry each other's burdens, but we're each to carry our own load. The, you, you, which one is it? It can't be one or the other. I mean, you're, you're, it's a contradiction. And Paul would say, no, it's not. And here's the reason why. Because that word burden literally means boulder. Let me show you the, the carry his own load, what it means in the original language. It means cargo, the burden of a daily toil, knapsack. Knapsack. Let me tell you about a knapsack. Knapsacks are possible to carry. We've all expected to, to carry our own knapsack. We're expected to deal with our own feelings, attitudes, behaviors, as well as the responsibilities God's given us. The problems arise when people act as if their knapsacks are like boulders. You hear what I'm saying? Problems arise when people say, you know what, I want you to carry my knapsack. No. All right? You've got to do that. 
But the things that are too big, we will do that. But the things that you need to do, you've got to do that. You've got to have some boundaries. There's some burdens I can share with you, of course. I can pray for you, we can help you, but when it's all about me doing for you, you no longer put your faith in God, you put your faith in another person. And it becomes a codependent relationship. You've got to establish some boundaries. When you're carrying the load of someone else's responsibility, you're shouldering the burden trying to change them, and that never works. Because you can't change yourself, right? There are parts of me that I would change if I could. Same with you. But we can't change ourselves. How in the world are we going to think that we're going to try to change other people? Anybody married in here going to agree with me about that? Dear Lord. Anybody had a spouse ever try changing you? Don't, don't say yes. No, sir. Not in here. Right? Jonathan, we got All right, cool. You don't do that. If they ain't in here, you yell. Amen. Oh, what? <laughs> anyway, a whole lot of marriage counseling coming up. All right, cool. Anyway, let me tell you where we're going and we're going to end today. Next week, we're going to be talking about drawing boundaries in marriage. And we're going to be looking at when we're sleeping with vampires. All of us, many times, we sleep with the enemy. The people that hurt us most are many of the people who are the closest to us. Isn't that right? And we're going to be talking about that next week. The week after that, we're going to be talking about parenting and raising vampires. My God, I was in Walmart two weeks ago at 1030 at night, a six-year-old screaming through Walmart, throwing stuff all over the floor. I wanted to go up to that parent and go, discipline your child or I will discipline him. I know, I could go to jail. I know, I would plan a one church in jail if that child just, just like, ah, right? It's one of the reasons why some people don't like going to Walmart. Anybody agree? Dear Jesus, peopleofwalmart.com. That's all I got to say. I've seen some of y'all in there. All right. Lastly, the last week we're going to be talking about help. I have a friend as a vampire. And some of you know exactly what I mean because your, your friend just takes and takes and takes and takes and they never do give back. That is unhealthy. And you need to stop that. You need to draw some boundaries. I want to close by giving you some lyrics as the band comes out of a song that's really popular right now that's all about drawing up boundaries, all right? Let me give you the lyrics for this. It says this. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath, scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I sat quietly... Agreed politely, I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point. I stood for nothing, so I fell for everything. That is a person who needs to draw some boundaries. And on that note, we're going to end with Katy Perry's Roar. Roar.